Hey guys, today we are wrapping up our series, Gentle and Lowly, and throughout this series, we've been taking a deep dive into the heart of Jesus for sinners and sufferers like you and me. Perhaps you've considered the fact that Jesus loves me, but this series has been taking us deeper and deeper into, the, into his heart, into the heart of Jesus. And I don't know about you guys, but, I, but for me, I've been blown away at learning the depth of Jesus's love. And to help us study this subject together as a church, we've been reading the book, Gentle and Lowly, by Dane Ortland together, and he's been helping us understand this more profoundly. Uh, in chapter four, he paints this picture uh, that I think was very helpful for us to understand exactly what we've been learning and has been really helpful. I want to share with you guys, he talks about, you know, what, what this is like, like as we study the heart of Jesus, it's kind of like putting your hands over his heart, kind of like a, a stethoscope. And if you were to put your hands upon his heart and feel his heartbeat, what would it share with us? What would his heart be? What, what are his deepest longings and his affections for you? What, what you would learn about his heartbeat and about his deepest longings and affections is that it's for you and for me. And his greatest demonstration of that love is found in his willingness to die in our place for our sin on the cross. The Bible says that he did so willingly. And as we learned last week, says that he did so joyfully. You might think that something so horrific, like his brutal death, would have been done begrudgingly, but not for Jesus. The depth of Jesus' love is seen in his deepest moment of grief, pain, and agony. And he did so so that we might be forgiven, so that our eternities would be secured, so that we might have an abundant life. Today we're going to be talking about something that perhaps you've never given much consideration, have you ever thought about Jesus' sympathy, his heart extending sympathy towards us? And what, what I mean by this is that like truly understanding us, truly relating to us, feeling our pain and sympathizing with us in our struggles. This is what today's passage, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, helps us understand. In many ways, it's our natural intuition to believe and to know that when things are going well, when, when we are healthy, when our bills are paid, Right? And when, when things are okay, when we're problem-free, it's our intuition to believe, well, you know, obviously in that condition, Jesus is with us. Right? We relate blessings to his presence. However, when the opposite is true, right? when, when there's not money in the bank, when the bills are late, when we're in debt, right? when we're going through problems, our intuition is to believe, well, I guess Jesus has abandoned me. I guess he's no longer with me. I guess his affections are no longer towards me. His grace, his mercy, his forgiveness are no longer available to me. But the passage that we're studying today, what we're learning about today, about Jesus' sympathy towards us, teaches us that nothing can be further from the truth. Hidden behind our study today is this truth. It's a correction that we have to make in our error of believing that Christianity, that our relationship with God, that our faith is a feel-good faith. That we, have, that we come to Jesus just so that he could take away all our problems, so he can heal all our diseases, so he can put money into our pockets. But what is amazing about Christianity, what is amazing about the doctrine of the gospel and the doctrine of the cross, the doctrine of suffering, is that it lines up with our reality, what we experience in our reality. And reality is that none of us live a pain-free life. You don't live a pain-free life, neither do I. None of us live a, a life free of problems, a, a life free of strife, a life free of anguish. And of course, the same thing is true for the world that we live in, that our world is chaotic and full of calamity. That the world that we live in is full of pain and grief and injustice. The fact that Jesus has sympathy with us and for us leaves space for that reality. Christianity is not 
a magical pill that we can swallow to help make our pain go away. But Christ is a person who is with us and for us, and God is a God who cares for us and loves us, both on our hilltops and our valley lows. So here's what Hebrews chapter 4 helps us understand. Two ideas, and we'll read the verse together. The first thing is that Jesus has sympathy with us in our suffering. You know, we all just had Thanksgiving dinners this week, and Christmas is right around the corner, of course. Many had a great time, hopefully eating, having good food, laughing around the dinner table, spending time with family. But, you know, I'm not too naive to acknowledge that this is not everyone's reality. That this is not a happy and joyful time for absolutely everybody. For some people, Thanksgiving and Christmas time is a reminder of the loss of a loved one that used to sit around the dinner table, that used to share the jokes, that used to make that bomb dish, but now is no longer with us. For some, it's a painful time of the year as they have to once again spend a holiday meal alone because they ex recently experienced a breakup or because the family is split up and they're no longer together or there's constant arguing and bickering. What Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15 helps us see and teaches us is that Jesus is sympathetic to us and he's with us in our suffering. Look at the first part of verse 15 says this, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. If you're a parent, if you're a parent, you might understand the sympathy that you share for your child. For example, when you're teaching them to ride a bike and and they wobble and they fall over and they scrape their knees. You, you, share, you share sympathy with them. You hurt with them in that moment. Or if your child is struggling with a class or failing a class in school, the sympathy goes far beyond the superficial desire to simply have them you know, do good grades and have good grades. It extends to genuinely caring and wanting the best for them, right? And having the greatest desires to see them succeed. And, and you, you'll stop at nothing to make sure that they get the help and the support and the help that they need in order to see them thrive. Now, I remember one such time, um, my daughter, Melody, she was just a baby at the time and she was so sick. And, and, and it broke my heart to see her in that condition. I, I got this video clip I took of her. She was eating oatmeal and I recall this memory so vividly. She's eating oatmeal. She's so sick. She can barely keep her head up. And as a parent, you have so much sympathy for your child in that moment that you would do anything to swap places with them. You do anything to, to, to take their sickness upon you and to give them your wellness. Sometimes, however, it's difficult for us to experience sympathy. For others, for the simple reason, because we simply can't relate. In fact, you could say that the deepest form of sympathy stems from one's own personal experiences. Let me, guys, let me help you understand. If, you know, if, you, if you've never lost someone very close to you, then it's difficult to sympathize with someone who's lost someone very close to them, a loved one. If you've never experienced homelessness or lack resources or lack means, and it's, it's difficult for you to truly sympathize with someone who has. If you've never experienced uh, significant sickness, then it's difficult for you to sympathize with someone who's fighting a serious illness. You might feel sorry for them. You might feel a lot of pity for them. But you see, sympathy takes it a step further. And you see, this is what Jesus has. Jesus has sympathy with us and for us. And the reason that he can sympathize with our weaknesses and with our suffering is because he too experienced suffering. Isaiah 53 is a prophetic passage in the Old Testament which speaks clearly of Jesus as a suffering servant. I encourage you guys to read the whole chapter. I really wanted to read it with you all. 
uh, today, but some, at some point, maybe later today or during the week, take time to read the entire chapter. I want us to read two verses, verse 3 and verse 5. Here's what it says. He was despised and rejected by men. He was a man of suffering who knew what sickness was. He was like someone people turned away from. He was despised and we didn't value him. But he was pierced because of our rebellion. He was crushed because of our iniquities. Punishment for our peace was on him and we are healed by his wounds. Did you guys hear those words in Isaiah 53? Jesus as despised, rejected, suffered. He knew sickness. He was turned away from. He was pierced, crushed, and punished. If you continue reading this chapter, you'll find even more language that continues to communicate this truth. That the reason Jesus understands your weaknesses and your suffering is because he also experienced weakness and suffering. No, not, not as one who is far removed from pain, but like you, one who's had to endure it. And this means that if you're here today and you're going through a hard time and you're pretending, you're pretending like everything is okay, you don't have to because Jesus sympathizes with you. He doesn't hate you for your weaknesses. He doesn't hate you because of your suffering. Your suffering is not because he's rejected you or because he's ignored you. Instead, Jesus is in the trenches with you. and He is with you in the midst of your pain and your hurt and he sympathizes with you with you. Here's the second thing that Hebrews 14 helps us understand. That is that Jesus has sympathy with us in our temptations. Let's go back to verse 15. Let's read the whole verse this time. Here's what it says. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in every way as we are yet without sin. The difficulty that we have in sympathy and having sympathy with others and their suffering, I think, is also applicable to our ability to sympathize with others and their temptations. And here's why. We all want grace, right? You want grace extended to you when you face temptation, when you cave in to said temptation. However, when it's regarding the temptation of others, we're not so quick to extend that same grace. When it comes to the temptations of others and, and when they succumb to those temptations, it's easy for us to point the fingers at them and say, I knew it. I knew that was going to happen. I, I knew it. Good for them. They deserve that to happen. Or we, we could say, man, how could they ever do something like that? I would never do anything like that. It's so easy for us to do that. But if the roles were reversed, we would want sympathy extended toward us. But when it affects the life of others, we're quick to pass on judgment and criticism. But this is not the attitude of Jesus. This isn't his reaction to our temptation. He has sympathy, not anger. He has sympathy, not frustration. He extends sympathy towards us. Temptation is something that we all have in common. It's the one thing that binds us all. We all have a proclivity to sin. The Bible says that we inherited this sinful nature. and It says that we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And, and if you're a follower of Jesus and you're attempting to live for God and you desire to please him, you need to realize that there's a war going on. The Bible says there's a war in our flesh between fulfilling our sinful desires and living a God-pleasing life. And since we, have all, we all have this in common, then you know that whenever we give in to temptation, what often follows is what? Disappointment, guilt, shame. And while we're in our heads throwing a pity party, Jesus is right there 
sympathizing with us and for us. Not angry, just a heart full of sympathy. And why is this? It's because Jesus also knows what it's like to face temptation. Elsewhere in the book of Hebrews, in chapter 2, verse 18, we read this about Jesus. For since Jesus himself has suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are tempted. That suffering and temptation, that war in our flesh, the battle in our minds, Jesus understands and he has sympathy. Jesus fully understands because in his humanity, he also suffered. He suffered the weightiness of temptation. The difference being that he was without sin. You know, I love what Dane Orland writes in the book that we're reading together on page 47. He says this, the reason that Jesus is in such close solidarity with us is that the difficult path we are on is not unique to us. He has journeyed on it himself. It is not only that Jesus can relieve us from our troubles like a doctor prescribing medicine. It is also that before any relief comes, he is with us in our troubles like a doctor who has endured the same disease. Here's what that means for us today. It means that Jesus is sympathetic towards you, that his heart is so big, that his love is so strong and his affection towards you so great that in your weaknesses and in your temptations, he extends sympathy. This means that Jesus is not distant. He's not far removed. That when he sees you in your distress, in your weaknesses and in your suffering, He's not simply looking down and you saying, oh, oh, bless their heart. I'm praying for you, baby. No, that's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus has a sympathetic heart and his sympathetic heart is much closer to you than that. In our weaknesses and in our temptation, his sympathy is right beside us. This means that he pains with you. The pain that you feel, he feels When you find yourself in a pit of suffering, he climbs down into it to be with you. And the good news today is that Jesus' sympathy is available to you if you are a follower of Jesus. And the good news is that if you're not a follower of Jesus, his sympathy can be available to you if you put your faith in him. Now, once again, Dane Orland writes this on page 50 of our book. It says, if you are in Christ, then you have a friend who in your sorrow will never lob down a pep talk from heaven. He cannot bear to hold himself at a distance. Nothing can hold him back. His heart is too bound up with yours. That picture of Christ's love not held off at a distance is best exemplified in the selfless sacrifice of his sinless body upon the cross. And that picture of nothing holding Christ back is best exemplified in his power over the grave. And his heart bound up with yours is demonstrated in the grace and the mercy and the forgiveness and the new life and the eternity that we receive when we put our faith in him. Are you facing weakness? Are you facing temptation? Jesus is not angrily looking down at you, scolding you. He sees you through a loving, gracious, and sympathetic heart. And he reminds you that in those moments of weakness and suffering, he's with you. Would you guys pray with me? Jesus, we thank you for extending sympathy to us in our suffering. And I know and acknowledge, Lord, that for many people, this time of year especially, emotions, Lord, are amplified. 
and there are many that are suffering and hurting. Thank you for extending sympathy to us in the middle of our hurts and pain. Thank you for extending sympathy in our temptation. Or that when we fall and when we are tempted, you understand. You were tempted as well, but you did not give in to temptation. And because of that, we can trust and know that you are with us, you are understanding and sympathetic. God, to those that are suffering today, would you be close? To those of us that are facing temptation today, would you give us the power to resist? And when we fall, would you lift us up and restore us to your glory? Thank you for your gracious and sympathetic heart towards us. We love you and we thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.